All right, start the clock. Here we go. Good morning. Hey, we're in a series here on the book of Ephesians. We are on part nine, and we're going to cover two verses today. Can you believe it? Not one verse, two verses. And we're going to do it in a short amount of time. So put your listening ears on, and let's go. So uh, the book of Ephesians chapter one, the apostle Paul has just been laying out an avalanche of blessings that are now the believers because of what Jesus has done. And he prays an interesting prayer. He prays not that they would uh, have more, but they would be that the Holy Spirit would unveil what they already have. So let me make this statement to you. This is my statement in one sentence, okay? So just, you can, you can tune me out after this. Don't really do that, okay? But here it is. It's much easier to release something that you've already have than it is to get something that you don't yet have. Okay? So I'm out. I'm basically going to be looking at that from multiple viewpoints. I'll be saying it a whole bunch of different ways. In case you didn't like that one, I'm going to say it so many different ways until you're like, I get it, I get it. And we'll say amen. Okay? You guys ready? Um, I want to look at how do we receive God's best. I feel like so many people are trying to convince God to give them his best rather than recognize he's already given his best. How do we learn how to receive that? So I was, I was praying this morning, and uh, you know, an atom bomb, what they do is they split an atom. I mean, something so tiny, so microscopic, can release something so powerful. And I first uh, came across this perspective about 20 years ago from uh, a, a teacher named Andrew Walmack. He, someone handed me a tape. That's how long ago. It was a cassette tape. Um, some of you don't know what that is. That's actually the way that they recorded sound in sermons, and then it became DVDs and MP. Okay? And so actually someone handed me a tape, and uh, it was called You've Already Got It. I remember Mary and I, we listened to that thing probably 10, 15 times because my spirit caught it. It was like, yeah, this is right. My head was going, yeah, but what about this? What about this? What about this? And so um, what I'm going to be uh, teaching today has really been brewing for 20 years. And I feel it's like that atom bomb. It's just a, there's just a split. There's just a, a slight shift, but it, it changes everything. Okay. So uh, this is how the apostle Paul prayed. We're going to be doing a little bit of uh, going back on some verses and we're going to come back. So Ephesians chapter one verses 15 through 17. This is from the Passion Translation. This is the Apostle Paul. After he's just told them of all these blessings that are theirs because of Jesus, uh, verse 15. Because of this, because of all these blessings, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love towards all his devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. Verse 17, here it is. I pray that the Father of glory the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. We took a whole week on the spirit of wisdom, a whole week on the spirit of revelation. But um, basically, there's things that have happened in the spirit that you cannot access through your five senses. See, taste, hear, smell, feel. So many believers, we live and what we see in our circumstance, we can't feel it, it doesn't feel true. And the Bible is saying, listen, you need something different. The Holy Spirit needs to reveal it to you. Faith explores what the Spirit reveals. Okay? Faith explores what the Spirit reveals. And so when the Spirit reveals something, now we go, oh, that's mine. And faith, as it begins to explore, it begins to apprehend those things that are in the spiritual dimension and pull them into your personal experience. Are we good? Okay, we've talked about this for weeks here. I want you to notice, he didn't say, oh, God, please move. Oh, God, rend the heavens. That's an old covenant prayer. Rend the heavens and come down. He already rent the heavens and sent Jesus and came down. And then he did it again when he sent the Holy Spirit into your spirit. Okay, so we're not saying, oh, God, please move. Oh, God, this is a, I, I, for 46 years now, I've been in Pentecostal spirit-filled churches. I've traveled to lots of different churches, conferences. I've, I, you know, sat under just some of the greatest teaching. And I would just tell you that the, the, 
the number one prayer I probably hear from Pentecostals goes something like this. Oh, God, send more power. Oh, God, pour out your spirit. He already did. I want you to see, when you're starting from a place of unbelief, it's going to be a long day. Okay? Listen, if you were going to write a prayer for, uh, for believers 2,000 years from now, you'd probably say, oh, Lord, send revival. Oh, God, let them have a double portion of your spirit. Oh, God. And um, that's not what Paul prayed. Here we are reading his prayer 2,000 years from now, and he's not saying, oh, God, do a new thing. You're like, Jim, that's a prayer. Yeah, it's an Old Testament prayer. He did the new thing in Jesus. Adam split. I want you to see, just, it, there's just this little shift, but it affects every single thing here. Um, the Holy Spirit inspired him, uh, God, open up the eyes to see what you've already done. We're not trying to get God to do a new thing. We're not trying to convince him to give him our best. We're trying to have the Holy Spirit reveal to us that he has already sent his best. And now we're believing that. Faith begins to explore what the Holy Spirit's revealing. I'm just going to keep saying this a bunch of different ways. It's not going to get any more complicated. But we're going to do, I know some of the what ifs. What about healing? We're going to get to all that, right? Sorry, I'm a little hyped up here. By the way, one of the announcements we did not have is I will be doing a seminar here on September 23rd, so it's two weeks from yesterday, called God's Power to Create Wealth. And um, I don't want you to miss it because if you miss it, you will hate yourself. I just don't want to have to counsel you through that. Okay, so just, just simplify it. Come to this. It will be amazing. I was in Pennsylvania yesterday, and they asked me to do an offering teaching, and so I made a covenant with the Lord. I would never do an offering where I was trying to get money from people. I would only do an offering and tries to get something credited to their account. And so I, I felt bad. I, I took, basically, I'm going to be doing five sessions on that Saturday. I felt like I tried to take all of it and do it in like this 10-minute offering teaching. I felt like I was just up there like a, like a rooster, like, just like just spitting it all out, and they're all like looking at me weird. And so... Sorry, I feel like I'm talking like that to you guys, so. <sighs> Peace. Okay. Most people believe that God's work in your life is dependent upon you begging and pleading enough. And you call that seeking. That's not New Testament seeking. New Testament seeking is not bugging God to get him to do what he doesn't really want to do, but if you bug him enough, then he'll do it. There's a story in the New Testament uh, about, am I talking fast again? I'm from Michigan. We talk fast up there, all right? And so, because uh, it's so cold, you have to do everything fast. The godforsaken frozen tundra up there. God bless them. And so uh, there's, a, there's a story up there of, of, of an unjust judge. And this woman keeps bugging this judge until she gets justice. And a lot of people think that's a parable about God, okay? The next part says, how much more will the heavenly father answer his children. Okay? It's not a comparison of this is what God's like. It's a contrast that even if this guy who is unjust will answer somebody who bugs them, how much more your heavenly father to those who just persevere and wait for his goodness to come? You see the difference? I've got super good news for you. God has anticipated every need that would ever be encountered in the human race, put it into the cross, and then when you became born again, he put it on the inside of you. There's nothing up there where heaven's like, oh, man, wish we'd have thought of that. Oh, is there any way we can like add it back in or anything because we're God? You know, I mean, there's, there's none of that going on there. Through Christ's death and resurrection, he dealt with every problem that could ever happen, past, present, and future. Okay? 
Um, the Lord is now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and we're going to find out next time, you're seated up there too. That's, that's going to be one of those sermons next time. It's like, what? Jesus is not healing people anymore. He is not saving people anymore. He is not prospering people anymore. He is not delivering people anymore. He's already done it. The power has already been released. Now it's up to you and I to receive it by faith. All the blessings of God come to you by grace through faith. Not by begging, not by becoming good enough. By grace means that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're like, hey, let's think of everything. Let's have Jesus pay for it on the cross. And when they get saved, they are now going to be put into that blessing. They're going to be put into this realm where they now have access to everything heaven contains. You understand, if God added more, it would bankrupt heaven because he already gave all to you. So we have all of this. So that's grace. Grace means Jesus did it before you were ever born. So now you don't have to try to earn it. Let's say you have a, a, your great, 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 great grandfather was a gazillionaire and he left you a billion dollars that the day you were born, you, broke, you woke up, you breathed your first breath, you were already a billionaire. You don't then begin to try to earn it. You received it as a gift. When you were born again, you, your first breath was, I now have access to everything heaven contains. Grace. It was before you were ever born. Now you don't have to go and try to earn it. You have to learn how to receive it. It's by grace. Faith is our response to God's initiative. God's like, hey, here's what I want life for my kids to be like. I want it to be the same experience that we have in our kingdom. So they're going to take what's going on up here, and they're going to bring it into that realm through Jesus. You don't have to begin to earn it. You have to learn how to receive it through faith. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that, so this is the same prayer here. This is the next verse. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. We did a whole message just on that phrase. Flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. Notice he's not saying, Lord, give me more. Lord, I need some of this. I need some of this. Give them the revelation of the hope of Jesus' calling. I want you to notice, it's not the hope of your calling. He wants you to wake up to the calling that Jesus has that now belongs to you. His wisdom, his anointing, his strength, his insight, his love, his joy, his peace, all that part that's part of his calling, that's now you get to wake up to the revelation of this now belongs to you. Are you feeling the atom beginning to split? The favor of God that is upon Jesus' life, that's part of his calling. The Holy Spirit's like, I want you to have the revelation of the hope of that calling. Because that's what belongs to you. That's what you got put into. Paul was praying that our eyes would be open to understand and see the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. So many of us grew up singing songs, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be, when we all, and so it will be amazing. Okay, But I feel like so many of us have taken the promises of Scripture and stuck them up into heaven where we have no responsibility for them on earth. It's kind of like a tease, like, oh, man, that's going to be great. Stinks down here. Oh, Lord, rend the heavens. Oh, Lord, pour out your spirit. Oh, Lord, do this. I'm just going to say it. Some people feel like if they stop praying that all of California is going to have an earthquake and break off into the ocean. Sorry.
They feel like if they stop praying that God's judgment is going to sweep across this land. His judgment already swept across the cross when his son who knew no sin became sin. He judged sin. He wasn't picking on his son. His son personified the very thing that was keeping your heart from him. Yet Jesus became the lightning rod that satisfied the wrath of God. And so he says, um, here's your message. Um, the whole world has been reconciled to God. And he's no longer counting men's trespasses against them. It doesn't mean everyone's forgiven. It means all the obstacles to God's heart have been removed. All they have to great. It says the grace of God has appeared to all men. God's big fat yes over your life is just hovering, waiting to flood you. What's he waiting for you? You to respond in faith. God's not going to judge California. You can turn off those prophets. That's Old Testament prophecy. They know not the spirit that they're of. God's not even judging ISIS. He's not even judging the Democrats. He's not even judging the Republicans. He's not judging Trump. He's not judging Jesse Jackson. He's not, okay. At the end of time, there will be a, a, a judgment on what did you do with Jesus? For believers, you're going to stand before God and your sin's not going to be in the picture. Your life is going to be reduced to um, gold, precious stones and silver, or wood, hay, and stubble. Every thought, every deed, every action that you've done will stand before God and it will be tried by fire. And everything, Why? For the purpose of reward. It's not a judgment that you're going to... Okay, we're getting into some stuff here. All right. <sighs> what was that? Oh, keep going. All right, I couldn't understand that. Yeah, all right. All right, I like that. I like that. I'll take that. So again, uh, when we get to heaven, that's going to be amazing. But remember, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It's coming on your screen. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us. Past tense, as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father. We did a whole message just on this verse. I think it was called, heat up your oatmeal, baby! From our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. That is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. Wrapped up into Christ means you're not allowed to look at yourself apart from Jesus because the Father never does. If you've ever seen a dog chasing its tail, so, so our dog doesn't do it a ton, but every once in a while she will get into this little thing and it's just this endless cycle and it's fruitless until she wears herself out and she never catches the tail. Um, that is a picture of so many believers who are chasing after God, chasing after blessing. Pour out your spirit, pour out your name, pour out this, pour out this, pour out this. I'm not saying that we are experiencing the fullness of it. I'm saying the fullness of it has been paid for. The reason we pray, the reason that we seek, the reason that we fast is so that the veil can be removed from our eyes, so that our attention can be focused, so that we can see what is already available. Do you understand the big difference between I'm trying to get something that's not mine versus this is already mine, Father, lift up the curtain. Because when I see it, then I can begin to believe for it and begin to experience it. Here's the statement I started with. It's much easier to release something that you already have than to try to get something that you don't have yet. Old Testament prayer. Father, show me your glory. Okay, listen, I'm just going to, let me just make a disclaimer here before I offend everybody. Okay, um, the language of hunger sometimes doesn't have good theology. And so we will have, there's teachers that we love and all this. They will pray Old Testament prayers with New Testament hunger and it's okay. Just don't get your theology screwed up. They're praying, they're hungry, they're in love with the Lord. You know what, if I quit pursuing my wife now that I've got her and just let myself go, 
which I'm not saying I've been an amazing job, but you know, <laughs> I'm trying here, people. Okay. You see what I'm saying? That, that, that's not a covenant relationship. If it's like, oh, I've already got her. I, I see some believers, especially, I'm just going to say it. Some of the, the, the newer generation of theologians coming up, they've got this attitude. I've already got it. They've already got it. I don't need to, I don't need to fast. I don't need to seek. I don't need to do this and that. I'm like, well, then show me the miracles. Like, if you're so amazing, like, do something with it other than just sitting there sick and broke, criticizing everyone else on Facebook. I'm not trying to be mean, but Jesus is like, hey, don't even listen to me if I don't do miracles. Boy, how many teachers with boy you better listen you better, better be careful with that preacher, you know. They uh, you know, they, they go a little extreme on some stuff. Okay? No one's saying, boy, you better be careful with that preacher, they don't do miracles. They criticize everybody else, but where's the power? The people who have power are a whole lot more humble and they keep their mouth shut. Okay, not in the notes, but that just felt good. So I want you to see the tension here, okay? Everything is ours. Jesus is like, um, the, the children, they go into the promised land, and he's like, this all belongs to you. Now go slay some giants and take some walled cities. Well, I thought it was all ours. It is. But you can only put under your feet that which you can steward. Everything belongs to you. It doesn't mean that you're going to you know, start walking on water. Oh, there's a puddle. Not even going to get wet. You know, there's trying to take a bath, but I can't get in there. I'm floating. Just the bottom of my feet. Splash, splash. It doesn't mean that you've accessed everything. Okay, that's why we seek. You see what I'm saying? There's this hunger, and sometimes when teachers are teaching and worship leaders are worshiping, the language of hunger sounds desperate, and it sounds like we don't have it, and so we're just going to have to recognize we've got to figure out how to, how to do that. To be hungry, to be seeking, to say, you know what? I want to know my wife. I want to pursue my wife. I want to, I want to know her heart but not have this desperation like she's going to leave me all the time. Okay? Yeah, I don't... I don't did I say something before that made you think that? I don't know. Yeah, that's Paul's prayer. Yeah, that's Paul's prayer. Is he saying, Lord, give me the spirit of revelation. The spirit of revelation... Um, another way that it's translated is the spirit of unveiling. Okay, and so it's like you have all these blessings in your spirit. Your spirit and Jesus' spirit, they became, your spirit and the Holy Spirit became one spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 16. On the inside, I, I, there's this guy at this restaurant, and he, I, I always ask people about their tattoos. I just think they're always great stories. Um, I've got one right here. No, I'm just kidding, I don't have anything. I think tattoos are cool, but I can't even handle the pain from a flu shot. So it's like, no, I'm not going to get a thousand flu shots so I can have a picture of an eagle riding a motorcycle on my back, you know, <laughs> over a rainbow. And so anyway, so this guy at this restaurant, he has this tattoo and I'm like, well, what does it say? And he has written backwards, I'm just a man. Okay. And so he looks, so every day he looks in the mirror, he reads it right side up. I'm just a man. Okay. Um, you're not just a man if you're born again. You're this new hybrid of a God-man. God has come and inhabited the inside of you. Um, your body, soul, and spirit, one-third of you is wall-to-wall -wall Holy Ghost. You're not just a man anymore, okay? And so because of that, 
And so these things have all taken place, it says, in the heavenly realm. In the spiritual realm, this is where all the goodies are, is in your spirit. And so in order to access those, you can't feel it. You cannot. The Bible, it says the Bible is like a mirror. It shows you who you really are. I've used this illustration before, that uh, you've actually never seen your face. You've seen a reflection of it. You've seen it in a picture, maybe seen it on a video, but you can't actually see your face. Okay, unless you've got some freaky eyes, but I don't think anybody can do that. Okay, but you've learned to trust that representation and you act on it. You know, you see a hair out of place, you, you fix it, unless you see a hair in place and you're kind of going for that other look. Whatever, you get the picture. <laughs> you can't feel what's going on in your spirit. And so the word of God is like a mirror and it shows you what it is. And when you begin to see it and you begin to act on it, it begins to come into your experience. That's what Paul is praying, the spirit of revelation, the unveiling, that we can see what's going on in our spirit so that faith can begin to explore what revelation unveils. Imagine standing on like this high hilltop and the Lord saying, look at this vast land. There's a river, there's waterfalls, there's, there's beautiful gardens, there's, there's farmland, there's houses and all this. And God says, this is all yours. Okay, this is what Ephesians is doing. This is all yours. But it's up to you to explore and experience the rest of the land with him. See, it's not fun to just go, oh, this is all mine. Great. And never experience any of the waterfalls or the lakes. Or you, you see what I'm saying? And so the Holy Spirit is coming to you. He's like, this is all yours. Now ask God to begin to unveil it. Unveiling it and having faith is you beginning to walk the land and to experience the blessings that were yours at the top of the hill. But you, they're not... You want to put them under your feet. I'm trying to say the same thing here. I'm trying to get it across. Verse 19. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. How's it come? Remember, by grace through faith. That's that's next chapter. And so grace has provided it, and we experience. He said, I want you to continually be tasting, experiencing, exploring this vast land that he's created you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. Wow. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. Paul's saying this, I want you to begin to experience the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want you to begin to taste that and experience that. And as you do, you will be at a display to this world. You will represent Jesus to this world. How's it happen? By grace. Here's all these amazing things. Christians, we're still trying to get God to do something. And he's like, I've already done it. Most Christians believe God has power, but they don't believe he's done anything with it. And here's what he's done with it. He's put it all on the inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. This is, like, this is not something you can just like, oh, that's cool. I mean, this is like sit down on a mountaintop. You're like, oh, God, show me. It makes it clear you already have the same power. The only reason you and I live substandard to what Jesus has paid for is because we don't believe God has already done it. And the book of Ephesians is saying, here's who you are. Here's what he's done. This is what's now available to you. Now, Holy Spirit, they're reading the words. Make it real. Lift up the veil. 
I'll be honest with you, a lot of times I don't press into this because it doesn't feel real. It just doesn't feel real. I look in the mirror and it's like, I'm not seeing the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And this prayer says, I'm not trying to get that power. Oh, Lord, send your power. Oh, Lord, send your glory. Show me your glory. Okay, I started doing it. The Old Testament prayer, show me your glory. The New Testament prayer says, Father, the, holy, the hope of glory is on the inside of you. If you're looking for a glory cloud, look at your belly. The glory cloud's inside now, gang. And we're trying to get that unveiled. And we begin to see it and believe it. We begin to experience the reality of everything he paid for. It's not up to God whether or not you walk in his power. And it's not up to your great works or your great ability or your great brain power, your intelligence, your strategies. It's up to you simply seeing it and going, yeah, (laughs) I'm going to walk into that. Mary, can you come up for our demonstration? No, you forgot something, remember? Thank you. For those of you listening at home, my wife has just handed me a water bottle. Mary, Mary, I'm thirsty. I'm in a dry and thirsty land, Mary. Hand me the water bottle. I'm thirsty. Quench my thirst. We have a covenant. In your covenant, you said, for better or for worse, and I'm in the worst situation. In your word, you said you would give me this water bottle. Pour out water upon your thirsty servant. Thank you, Mary. That water bottle represents all the blessings of Christ. He gave it to you. I don't think God can get confused, but I imagine if he could, people are like, oh, God, heal this person. Oh, God. And I got to imagine God's like, didn't, didn't we tell them that by his stripes they are already healed? Didn't we stick it in a book? Oh, God, bless my finances. They're a mess. Oh, God. Here, here's what he said. Jesus became poor. This is 2 Corinthians 8 9, and if it's not true, John 3, 16 is not true. Jesus became poor so that through his poverty, we could be made rich. Oh, Jim, that's talking about spiritual riches. Um, well, Facebook Pharisee, let me just tell you this. Second, Second Corinthians 8, chapter 8 and chapter 9 are two whole chapters about finances. The word rich there is used about finances in every passage in the New Testament without exception. Well, Jim, when did he be? So Jesus became a curse so that you could be blessed. When did he become a curse? On the cross. He who knew no sin became sin. When did he become sin? On the cross. When did he become poor? When did he become poor? On the cross. Jim, are you saying Jesus was wealthy apart from that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Read my book. Come to the seminar. We'll hit it in session two. I'm not saying it was this hot shot evangelist flaunting everything, but guys, he, he was endowed with the kingmakers. The Magi came and brought him gifts that exceeded more than $50 million minimum. Read my book. Minimum. He fed 12 teenage boys for three years. He was wealthy. <clears throat> I got to imagine... We're standing there with our water bottles, crying out for our thirst to be quenched. And he's got to be like, 
What more do we got to do? I sent the Holy Spirit. I wrote it in a book. They hear it every Sunday. And yet with our anxiety, oh no, it's flu season. Flu season's coming. Better get my shot. Better get, what world are you living from? Oh, flu's normal. It's not normal in the kingdom. Imagine you're watching television at home and all of a sudden the screen goes blank. So I imagine the first thing you're going to do, you're going to go and check and make sure the power's connected. And then you might try to troubleshoot the TV. I guarantee no one's going to call up the, uh, the TV station and say, why did you stop broadcasting? What's going on here? Me and my family, why aren't you broadcasting? Send the signal. When, mo- when believers are not seeing the answers come into their life, God, why aren't you sending the answer? Okay? There's nothing wrong with the transmitter. There's a problem with our receiver. He has already transmitted everything is yes and amen in Jesus. Every problem you ever have, any problem you are ever going to have, it's already been paid for. Big fat yes, in your spirit, water bottle, in your hand. The problem is not with his transmission. He's already said yes. Picture him hovering over you, just waiting to pour these blessings. And just, he said, when the Son of Man returns to earth, will I find faith? Is anyone going to take me seriously? And the Apostle Paul comes to us and says, here's what you've got. Holy Spirit, we can't figure this out with our brains. We can't figure it out with our five senses. We need the Holy Spirit to go, okay, Father, this is real. And I begin to step in. And as I step into it, the truth of that sets me free. The Bible does not say the truth will set you free. I hear that quoted in so many movies. It actually doesn't say that. Here's what it says. It says in John 8, so that's John 8, 32. You got to back up to 31. Jesus says this. Um, to the, um, let's see. What's he say? What's he say? Um, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What does it mean to continue in his word? It means to put it into practice. The freedom comes from the Holy Spirit revealing it. Remember, faith apprehends what the Holy Spirit reveals. And so the Holy Spirit reveals it. I begin to step into it. And as I see the reality of the kingdom, it sets me free. It's like, man, this thing really works. Thank you for your thunderous silence. 90% 90% of the battle is just believing that God has already done his part. We need to stop praying the doubting God prayers and just believe. I mean, pray, a prayer might look something like this. God, I know you've done it. I'm not seeing the answer, but it's not your fault. You've already supplied. God, thank you. As you begin to thank him and you begin to praise him, says he inhabits the praises of his people. There begins to be a different atmosphere over your life through thanksgiving and prayer that wasn't there, just trying to get it through intellectual, intellectual agreement. And you begin to say, God, I don't know why I can't see it, but I know you're not the problem. So I want to praise you that you're faithful. Even though I'm sick and the doctor says I'm going to die, it's not your fault. You didn't do this to me. And Lord, I thank you that healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. Gang, we, it, it's okay to fall short. Man, we all miss it. None of us are like hitting us on all eight cylinders. The, uh, the fault is when we begin to blame God as we're standing there holding the water bottle of healing, as we begin to hold the water bottle of prosperity, as we begin to hold the bottle of emotional wholeness.
of marital harmony. You see what I'm saying? He's, he's paid for all these things. We begin to blame him and get dis- distracted at him. And he's like, is anyone to take me serious? I, I've already done it. I've already transmitted yes and amen over your life. If you are in need of miracle, of a miracle, I would encourage you to aggressively acknowledge what the Lord has already done with your thanks and your praise. Lord, I thank you that by your stripes I am healed. Lord, I thank you that you healed every person who came to you without exception, and you're not a man that you should lie. Your promises are yes and amen to me. Lord, I begin to thank you. What's happening? There's a different atmosphere that's coming into your life. The Holy Spirit of Revelation can begin to unveil things. Sometimes, I mean, you may need to get loud. Sometimes you may need to get quiet. I don't know. When we get sick, oh, God, heal me. Oh, God, heal my child is a prayer of unbelief because you're trying to get God to do something that you don't believe he said he already did. It's not semantics. It's that splitting of the atom. It's that little shift that changes everything. Instead of trying to get God to do something, I'm not trying. Okay, this is going to sound, I don't even know if I can explain this, but... Instead of me trying to get a healing because I'm sick, I'm trying to maintain the truth about me that I'm a healed person and I'm defending myself from this sickness. How, how do you see yourself? Is a sick person trying to get healed or is a person who has been brought into the realm of healing? This is who you are. You are healed, hold, saved, delivered, prospered, protected. This is who you are. Your finances are a mess. Are you a prosperous person because prosperity himself lives on the inside of you? Your experiences, you're going to have to learn to fight those off. You're going to have to learn to renew your mind and walk in these different things. You see what I'm saying? Or are you this poor person trying to pull down heaven and get God to do something that he hasn't done yet? Faith explores what revelation provides. Let me ask you this. How can you doubt something that you already have? You're like, I'll tell you, it's easy. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to pray a prayer over here in just a moment. Gang, this is good news. But I tell you what, we need to learn how to slow down and feast on these promises instead of just uh, skimming them. Okay. Sermons are great because they can shift the mindset, but if you don't take these truths and begin to meditate on them, begin to think about them so much that you find yourself muttering them, that's actually the biblical picture of meditation. I don't know if you ever caught yourself like talking to yourself, you're thinking about something so much, what you're doing is you're meditating on that thing. You're thinking about it so much you just begin to mutter to yourself. That's actually the picture of biblical meditation is I begin to take these truths. It's interesting that We'll talk about this more next time, but the um, on earth as it is in heaven, the very center of the universe is heaven and the throne. And every time the throne is pictured in the book of Revelation, it pictures a lamb upon the throne. I want you to picture like throwing a pebble, you know, in a, in a lake, and it has these ripples that all go out from the pebble. Okay, the entire universe ripples from the effect that there's a lamb sitting on the throne. Throughout eternity, the center of the universe is this is about everything that Jesus has paid for. That's the picture of the lamb, his sacrifice. And that is what's ruling this universe. Next time we'll look at it, he's saying, I want you to come and begin to think from this reality, but we're not getting there now. We're gonna have to learn to slow down. And maybe next time we'll just talk about how do you ingest the word and we'll practice it. But 
Charismatics, I don't feel like we're very good at this. But um, I don't feel like it's going to take very long to be good at it. Okay? Because you're not doing it in your own strength. It's Holy Spirit. Here's what meditation is. is I'm holding up a picture of a diamond. You know how a diamond's got many facets to it. Picture holding up a diamond to a bright light, and then you turn it. Boom, there's a new refraction of light. Boom, there's a new refraction of light. I'm taking this truth, and I'm holding it up in the light of his presence. And I'm saying, Holy Spirit. And you begin to just think about it with him. And then things begin to come out. Wow. You feel going deeper in your spirit. You begin to have questions. You begin to write things down. You begin to meditate on those things. What are you doing? You're just turning the gem. Wow. You get another revelation. Turn the gem. Boom. One of my favorite teachers meditated on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. Five verses of scripture for one year. And he said it was the richest year of his life. Okay? So with it. All right. You guys get the picture? All right. Let's stand up. People are usually quiet because it was good or quiet because it was bad. So I don't know here. <laughs> Gang, please, I'm, I'm like, we got to get this. Let's just practice next time. We'll just do a message on biblical meditation and feasting on promise or something like that. By the way, I don't know if I tell you this, but I love being your pastor. So you guys are just the best. Mayor and I were just so honored to just serve you guys. We just we just love it. You know, uh, lately we've been able to travel to some different churches, and I just want to click my heels and say, "There's no place like home." Or is it? Love you guys. This is this is awesome. Oh, bless you guys. Thank you. So, here's what I want to do: as, as we're closing out, as we're getting ready to picnic, Lord bless this gluttony that we're about to partake. <laughs> It's a very biblical prayer. Yeah. When does it become gluttony? I figure like as you're approaching the pain threshold, you're at least getting close. So if you're not in pain, just throw another burger down, right? So here's what I want to do. Well, this is a terrible transition into a salvation call here, but um, you know, we, we've been sitting here and we, we've sang songs about Jesus and um, it's interesting. I had, a, I had a person tell me, I've never been to a church where they talked about Jesus so much. And, um, and I, I thought, how sad. <laughs> and then, how awesome. And, uh, you know, it's not like a technique where it's like, okay, we've got to make sure we, we mention Jesus in this song. We, no, it's just, he's the center of the universe. He's, he's we are so thankful for our, everything good in our life is because of him. Everything bad in our life is, being, is waiting to be transformed by him. He's just awesome. Every problem is a stepping stone in your destiny when you're in Jesus. I, I can't go on all this stuff. He's just awesome, guys. And so as you've been listening today or maybe you've been listening for weeks or maybe, uh, you know what, if you're here at Zion, you're either a fanatic or you were brought by one. <laughs> and so if you're here and uh, <laughs> you're not a fanatic about Jesus yet, but you're listening and you're like, man, Something's going on in your heart, and it's more than just this intellectual curiosity. It's actually the Holy Spirit. He's drawing you. It says no one comes to God on his own. There's no one who's like, you know what? I'm going to give up in my entire life and trust this invisible creator. No one does that in their own strength. So if you're feeling a draw to that, it's because the Holy Spirit's drawing you today. And uh, that's really good news. And so uh, I just want to give you the opportunity to respond. If you've never trusted Jesus, if you've never said, God, I give you my life, I give you my future, 
my family, my future family. Like, God, I'm trusting you because you are, you're, you're a genius. The Holy Spirit is an absolute genius at life. He's good at everything he does. And uh, he wants you to come under his rule, to come and, and let him be the leader of your life. And uh, you may not know all what that means, but you're, you're getting enough now as, God, I want as much of you in my life as possible. I want to know you as a friend, not just as a force. And uh, God, I want, I want to know this Jesus. I want to give you my life. And so if you're here today and uh, you want to take that step, Jesus said this. He says, if you will confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. So if you'll, we're just asking you to do something bold, is, uh, is take that step and, uh, and say, you know what? I'm all in. I, I don't know what all in means, but with what I know, I say yes. Remember, his grace, and we're turning around and responding with, yeah. Jesus, he, when he died, he paid for everything that I did so that I could inherit everything that he, he deserves. And so if there's anyone here today, I'd just love for you to just be bold and um, don't do the little T-Rex hand raise. <laughs> and just, just be bold about it. If you're here today and you're like, Jesus, I, I want you in my life, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And we just want to agree with you in prayer. So is there anybody in here? I see a couple of people scratching their ears. That always messes me up. It's like, psych. Anybody, you're here today, and you're like, Jesus, I, I, want, I want as much of you in my life as possible. I want to trust you. Is there anybody in here? Just uh, wave it big and proud at us here. Anybody? All right. Lord, we love you. You're good, good, good. Lord, I just thank you that we're not trying to get something from a disinterested father. We're asking the Holy Spirit to unveil to us what a generous dad. His, you thought of it all. You thought of everything. You didn't leave anything out. You're an absolute genius. We love you, Lord. And Lord, I bless your people. And Lord, I just uh, pray that, uh, that prayer over them that you would give us a space. See, Paul actually prayed it for other people and it worked. So we're going to pray it for each other. You know, I just put your hand on somebody next to you. We're just going to pray that. Lord, we pray that you give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Flood their hearts with light. Lord, show us that we've got, that we have everything, you thought of everything, past, present, and future, whatever problem they're facing, you've made available. So Lord, I thank you that you are transmitting a yes and an amen over that situation. So Lord, we begin to thank you that, that, <laughs> that you're a good dad. We thank you that you have already provided the solution. So Lord, open up our eyes. And Lord, I pray this week there'll be a grace to slow down and to meditate on the word of God. In the name of Jesus, amen.